Hello, and welcome back to Falling Out. This is Elgin Straight again, obviously. And here we are with part two of my kitchen conversation with John Gorenfeld. I'm assuming you've been there for part one. A few orders of business to attend to before we get into this. First and foremost, I'm recording this on, let's check the exact date, Saturday the 25th of June, 9 p.m. London time. Yesterday is when the long-standing goal of the right wing in the U.S. to overturn Roe vs. Wade and infringe upon the bodily autonomy of women was materialized. The long, decades-long wet dream of the Republicans and the right-wingers and the conservatives was finally realized. And that's a tough nut to swallow knowing... How damaging it's going to be to so many people, but also knowing that that's what Moon would have wanted, and that's what us kids who grew up in this fucking cult were taught to believe the kingdom of heaven would look like. The fucking hellscape that is unfolding upon America and the world right now is exactly what we were told the kingdom of heaven was going to look like. What the fuck? What the fuck even is that? What's fucking... It's mental. It's really fucking crazy. And yeah, I'm sorry to see this happening. And sorry to have ever been a part of the family values industrial complex. Which seems to only have murder and bloodshed on its agenda. And hatred, by the way. So yeah, that happened. That happened in the last 24 hours. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I don't know what else I can say about that. I don't have any particularly special insight into it, so I guess I'll just be quiet and say, yeah, fuck that. In terms of the show, I'm actually really kind of in awe of the Patreon supporters because recently I received my largest ever Patreon subscription to the tune of $80 US per month. That's nearly $1,000 a year. That's like, that's fucking something. That's like really fucking something. And this person, obviously they know who they are. I know who they are. I've, I've thanked them personally. But um, that is material and that allows me to invest further. Haven't decided exactly where that's going to go. Part of it's going to be paying more to the collaborators that are working behind the scenes here. Part of it may be used to fund travel either for myself or for guests to do more in-person interviews because I think the first half with John Gornfeld went pretty well and I think the second half is going to go pretty well. So let's talk about the second half now. So in this second half, we talk about the Hall of Mirrors in John's words, the the costume changes that the Unification Church goes through periodically over and over and over again to hide its identity and hide, mask its its true purpose and the truth of what's happening behind the scenes. That's one of the fascinating things that we talk about here. And it's really interesting to hear about someone who tried to figure all that out from the outside and also kind of was trying to approach it with an impartial, neutral, sort of journalistic attitude of like, hey, maybe this isn't so bad. And I can 
I can see that. Like when you start looking at something from the outside, you want to keep an open mind. So you'll hear that in this interview, how over time John's mind was changed once the the truth of the deception started to, to dawn upon him. I think that's a fascinating part of this interview. And in a week since the first part of the interview has been dropped, John has actually posted a very long Twitter thread that adds further context and color to our interview. And I think that's really interesting. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And I'm going to link to some other things that I think are relevant along the way when you listen. Yeah, I don't know what else to say, but I'm delighted that John and I can have this conversation. I'm delighted that I can share it with you. Here it is, part two with John Gorenfeld. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. All right, don't worry about it. Um, all right. Do you want any more wine? No, I should not. Okay. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Um, I'll stop you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, this is great, by the way. Oh, yeah, this is really yeah. fun. This is really good um, stuff. Really good stuff. Um, I want to, okay. Uh, all right, let me, let me put these back on. Uh, okay, so there's, there's, another, there's another thing I want to touch on in, in the book. I feel like this is a really good documentation of some of these dynamics um and it's um specifically um you did some really great research i don't know how you did this but i uh, in the i think this is a third chapter george hw bush and the desperate widows oh uh, yeah chapter two so you talk about the whoops sorry you talk about the uh, the connections to Japanese money. Yeah, I think that might have been a combination of, of two different sources. I think the uh, I think a lot of it came from a Washington Post series or piece about the the intimidation of these widows to take their money. Okay. Um, I hope I footnoted it enough. That's one thing I was always worried about. Okay. And the other thing is, I think. Yeah, I remember. I remember there was um, there was a PBS Frontline documentary that a guy named Rory O'Connor made, and he was all about the theory that the that the money that helped launch the Unification Church came from Sasakawa, who is this this self described like world's richest fascist or something like that in Japan. He was like a gambling guy. Okay, well, he was into this like Japanese world of boat gambling. Okay. I don't know anything about like gambling on boat races. Yeah. Not like a riverboat gambler. But But yeah, like, like driving speedboats. Yeah. yeah. Racing. And yeah, I remember this documentary had like footage of these, these races and. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah. I have big business, I guess. And it wouldn't, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me, but like, so basically this chapter, you talk a lot about how they're, they're basically scamming Japanese widows to like buy, I have a whole story to tell about this too. Um, Go for it. Oh man. Okay. So like, I I hope this isn't too much like weird name dropping, but like, I remember, um, so like there's this great historian, uh, Rick Perlstein, who writes these books about the history of the right. Okay. um, That are, that are, you know, that are really respectful. Like I think he, he now feels like he was maybe even too respectful of sort of the intellectual forces um, and behind the rise of sort of the, you know, the, the, the conservative movement. Um, and uh, I met him at this, um, at this liberal convention in 
in the summer that I was, that I was promoting the book. And uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I, could, uh, I might have to do edits on the story. Sorry, I'm being a little slow. But anyway, the point right. is, um, I was really tired of going on. I was telling Rick, I was telling Rick Perlstein how frustrated I was that like every time I went on to discuss the book, um, there was always, people always wanted these like same old questions answered that I thought were not very helpful in understanding the Unification Church in the Washington Times. And it was like, is the Washington Times independent from the Unification Church? Oh, they claim they're editorially mm-hmm. independent, but are they really so editorially and editorially independent? And I was just like, who cares? Like there's this, there's this newspaper that's like, you know, is, is being funded by, by like ripping off like, Mm. like desperate people. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's spreading like racist garbage. And it's like, there's so many other aspects of the Washington times to talk about, but they'd always be like, is it editorially independent though? So I was on, uh, there was an NPR um, affiliated radio show that I went, I was going to go on to talk about the book and Rick was getting me all pumped up and he was like, you know, you should go on there and talk about the widows. Mm. You know, you should talk about the widows. So I was like, yeah, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to like change the way people talk about the Washington times. Cause there's, there's so much just unseemly stuff surrounding that newspaper. Mm. So I remember, I think I got, you know, cab or something to the, to the recording booth. And, uh, I had this kind of eccentric um, publicity agent handling the book. And I I think he was having a kind of a hard time personally at the time and was doing a very bad job and had like double booked me. And so as I was sitting down and the interview was starting, someone else was phoning me who expected me to be across town in another, in another interview. And, uh, but I was, I was going along with all of this because this guy had like lied that I was going to be on the daily show at the end of the summer. And so I was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. I want to do that. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'll just do whatever this guy says. So here I am in this recording booth. Um, and, and these NPR people are asking me about the book and they're like, so John, like is the Washington times really editorially independent mm-hmm. from the unification church? And I was like, yeah, but let's talk about, you know, let's talk about the other stuff. Like let's talk about the, the fact that, you know, that it's funded by, by money that's been, you know, uh, you know, taken by, by, by intimidating, like desperate people who've lost their loved ones and they're being told that people are going to hell. And they're like, there's this voice in my ear going like, John, John, can you please just like stay on a question we ask? Like, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about that. This is, this is a media show. We don't talk about things that aren't about the media. And it was really, really frustrating. It was really like, and I felt like, I think as I went around trying to, trying to hype up this book, there was this, um, there was just this sense that there were just little boxes that people wanted to put the story into. And and it was like, yeah, it was just like, well, they they just wanted someone to show up in a lot of cases and be like, but not everyone thinks the unification church is good. Mm -hmm. John Kornfeld was this guy obsessed with the unification church. Mm -hmm. And he says that it's bad. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. was the very last one of those. I was in a hotel room near the San Francisco airport. And there was a, um, there was a documentary on animal planet. It was an episode of, um, Oh, there was a show about like animal crime and it was called, this episode was called grand theft shark. <laughs> and there, was a, there was an episode like tangentially like connected, <laughs> I guess, to a unification church in the Bay area that oh, had 
Yeah, the, yeah, the, the shark with shark poaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That this was a thing. Shark poaching. It was this yeah. big. Th- did you yeah. hear about it? Like, yeah. why? I didn't hear a lot about. Like, I didn't follow the shark. There's so many angles of the unification church, yeah. but like, I didn't yeah. really follow that. But they were just like, "Could you show up and talk about the unification church?" Okay, so I just want to jump in here and add a little bit of context about the fucking shark poaching. Yes, as if there weren't enough rackets in this fucking cracking of an organization yeah of course there's one that's shark poaching to add to the list i'm gonna read you an article i'm gonna link to it as well but i'm gonna read from an article this is from the los angeles times february 13th 2007 here we go the church founded by the reverend sun moon will pay five hundred thousand dollars to restore damaged habitat and avoid prosecution in the case of a pastor who poached hundreds of baby sharks from san francisco bay Federal prosecutors said Monday. The Unification Church's payment, part of a non-prosecution agreement with the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Francisco, will go towards a $1.5 million fund to undo the environmental damage inflicted by the pastor's bizarre scheme. Kevin Thompson, age 48, pastor of the Bay Area Family Church in San Leandro, pleaded guilty in January to enlisting church members in an 11-year operation to illegally catch and sell the undersized leopard sharks to pet stores. He was sentenced to one year and one day in prison in order to pay $100,000, which also will go toward the Wildlife Restoration Fund. Four men in the aquarium industry and a commercial fisherman also pleaded guilty to aiding the poaching effort and will pay a combined $310,000 into the fund. An additional $600,000 will be provided by the state and private foundations. At least... 465 leopard sharks, too small to catch legally, and allegedly thousands more were sold to pet distributors throughout the United States, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. Quote, part of what we do in the church is to use boats for training with young people, end quote, Thompson told authorities in an interview that appears in court documents. That's part of our faith. That's what Reverend Moon taught us. End quote. The ocean plays an important role in Moon's teachings. He founded his ocean church in the 1980s based on the belief that fishing is a holy activity that reflects God's will for humans to have dominion over the sea. And it's no fucking coincidence that this providence for humans to have dominion over the sea dovetailed very nicely with his fucking illegal labor trafficking to support his world dominance of the sushi business, which also happened in the 1980s. I continue here reading this article. In a recording of a 2003 sermon, Thompson unabashedly told his congregation just how far he believed that dominion extended, boasting that members of what he called the, quote, Ocean Church, unquote, had spent more than a decade catching and selling baby leopard sharks to pet stores. So this guy's on the record sounds like he's almost bragging about breaking the law. We want the smaller the better, he said. That is a quote. Thompson bragged that a fellow church member had discovered a leopard shark pupping ground in mud flats along the bay and had returned with more than 100 baby sharks. He said pet stores would pay $20 per shark and sell them for home aquariums for $75 each. Moon himself became excited when he learned about the shark catching operation Thompson claimed in the sermon. He told me, you know, you need 20 boats out there fishing, Thompson said. He had this big plan drawn out. The article then goes on. Moon, quote, did not have any kind of personal knowledge or involvement with the details or the particulars of Thompson's operation. Said 
the Reverend Philip Schenker, a spokesman for the church. Now, if you'll recall in part one of my conversation with John, we talked about this very same Reverend Philip Schenker. This is the same guy who, when he's not lying to cover up for Moon and his illegal activities, was out there saying that all the church members should pray for the soul of John Gorenfeld. And I mention all of this because I think it's a great illustration of how this entire organization truly believes that the rules do not apply to them, no matter how illegal it might be or how unethical it might be. There's always a justification for it. Now I'm going to go back to the interview. I was like, it was like after a long summer of just like trying to get people to, to look at this book. And, um, and the producer was like, you know, just make sure you don't say the word cult because it's the first amendment and like, we can be whatever religion we want. So, you know, don't, you can't, you can't use the word call whatever you say, but yeah, we want to know what you have to say. And I was just like, the unification church was founded by Reverend Moon. And, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was, it was frustrating. It was really, really frustrating. Um, it was really, yeah, it's really hard to, it's really hard to get attention to a story that isn't already out there. Yeah. Um, particularly when it kind of goes against a lot of, a lot of like, like, like if the media has already decided on like, here's what we're going to talk about when X comes up, it's going to be this. Yeah. It's really hard to, to change it. And that was something I kind of learned, learned the hard way. Yeah. Like you kind of have to be like screaming it, like in your brand, mm. maybe even yeah. like, like if the, if maybe if like the title of the book had been like, you know, suffer the children, the way that yeah. exploits vulnerable children, and then they'd be able to hatch on, you know, yeah grab onto that one yeah and i do i just i just kind of i i feel like yeah like your your book like it touches on all these threads uh too many threads. there's so many there's so many threads and i i can actually see that like just being hard to like yeah how how do you how do you pitch that in a in 30 seconds there there is no real elevator pitch for this book that does it justice totally i'll totally take that like i think um I think that I think this is this is like a big tip for all you like potential nonfiction authors out there. Like I feel like there's a serious newbie tendency to be like, you know, if I put everything in this, it'll mm. be really impressive. But what if I put even more stuff in it? Yeah. I just make it like the encyclopedia of yeah. everything that you yeah. can ever know about Reverend Moon. And it's totally that where it's and like, yeah. That's I mean, and that's the thing about like that's what I say, like it's it's incredibly well researched. And actually like I feel like kind of each each to chapter, a fall, I think. Yeah. Like like I, mean, should have, I should have been like stop the research machine, like just focus on one thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And like each, I feel like each chapter like is 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 well put together and 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 like succinct and kind of like looks at one specific angle um taken together but, though but then taken together like, what am i supposed to make of yeah this, and, and that's the thing for me it's really interesting because i have a, like i was yeah. interested because i was born into this thing and like no one's ever again no outsider has ever really like yeah put the effort into doing this and i think it's amazing but i can also see from a marketing perspective yeah. and uh and a messaging perspective yeah how do you absolutely there, there's no way to put that together in a, in a really easy, easy I, I think what was, way yeah i totally agree i think what was so um what was so difficult is like you're you're writing about this fringe subject though on the other hand and you're like well what if they don't think it's significant enough well i'll add more stuff so Mm. that you know you're thinking about what if the reader will be like oh my god but they also do this but also this that must be really interesting but i do think 
you know, again, like you authors out there, like I think maybe focus on one thing and do it really, really well. Yeah. Like Google does, you know, well, mm. we're supposed to, yeah. you know, this <laughs> different yeah. topic, but you know, like <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Cause you've got what, like, you, yeah, I think, I think, I think that the idea was to just like wrap all the politics stuff into like, well, nobody, you know, cause I think, you know, there've been all of these really good books written about the unification church in the past, but none of them had focused on, you know, Hey, did you know the unification church is also sort of this political entity in the yeah. United States. And I kind of wanted to do this. Yeah, but and it was, I think that part was such a difficult thing to kind of draw a line around and be like, what is the shape of that? Because it's yeah. like, it's like if you were writing a story about like, like in the old days, they would have like the cult phenomenon kind of books, and it would be like, why are our sons and daughters running off to this weird ass group? And that gives you like a structure that is like way more manageable of like, yeah. you know, Benji was a really promising young man and he joined the unification church and he cut off his friends, but then we rescued him and yeah. he left and yeah. Reverend Moon just yeah. seems to keep getting richer at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, a, that's like a uh, self-contained unit of story. Basically. And you could, you, could, you could draw that out, you know, but I yeah. think this thing is so overly dense. I mean, I think it's, I think it's fairly readable. Um, I thought, I mean, for me, it was, it was a page turn. I mean, but, but yeah, part you had of the background. Part, yeah. I had the background. Like, part of me is like, it's like, Oh, I met that guy. Yeah. I, met, like, like, I remember that yeah. guy. Like, yeah, it's um, funny. Like it was for me, it was literally like seeing things from the other side of the, of the, the coin. And actually, like, so, how does all this look to someone from the outside? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And actually, it was just, okay, I want to come back to the Japanese thing, but just on that, yeah. there's a point. Uh, the acupuncturist. Uh, yeah. The, uh, um, I have the page where, where's the page? Oh, the, oh, sorry. Not the acupuncture. I want to go to the Japanese thing. Then what is it? Oh, page 181. Hold on. And then we're going to go back to page 41. Uh, So page. Okay. So you talk about this briefly in uh, this is a chapter called God forgives Richard Nixon. That's a whole That's other a thing title. that happened. It's a good, it's a good title. <laughs> I didn't come uh, up with it. Yeah. But you, um, you, you mentioned a book, um, uh, that was written call, uh, in the late eighties called inquisition. Um, oh yeah. But that was like sort of like commissioned by the church, by this <laughs> author called yeah. Carlton Sherwood. That's um, right. To sort of paint a, glowing like like paint a well to make to make reverend moon like a jesus like figure because yeah, who was persecuted by was, in his in the, in the tax case because he was reverend moon went to prison for tax yeah. fraud for like 18 months yeah and they they were like well what if you know some people like like lawrence tribe the famous aclu lawyer <laughs> nice nice drunken podcasting aclu lawyer um he you know he made it he made a case that that freedom of religion protected reverend moon and that he shouldn't have gone to prison but this book went a step further and was like actually this like this is the most tragic thing ever that such yeah. a wonderful guy should go to prison yeah exactly, exactly. and didn't carlton sherwood did he write like a like a john Kerry is a you know betrayed his swift boat mates or was that a different book oh, did he write one of those i don't know it's a different um, author uh, well actually you write here today having drifted okay today having drifted far from the news world sherwood is a well-connected homeland security consultant Oh, what the fuck? Wow, I didn't mean? know that. In I mean, 2004, that. he produced a film, Stolen Honor. Oh, no, no, that's it. That's the, it. Yeah. Yeah. The Wounds That Never Heal, attacking Democratic Party candidate John Kerry. Sherwood argues yeah. in the film that by calling the Vietnam War a mistake in 1971, Kerry had betrayed American soldiers who were captives of the Viet Cong. Uh, and then, okay, so then you go on to say, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about this book. Uh, then you say, but PBS's frontline discovered that before publication, one of Moon's top aides 
had reviewed the manuscript and made edits. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't so independent. Moreover, the church had promised reg, reg, regnery, regnery. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was like a notorious. Are they, I think they're still around. Okay. Notorious, like right wing. Okay. Press. Oh, yeah. One of the top conservative publishing companies that it would buy 100,000 copies. They do this all the time. Yeah. Anytime they, anytime they this take. This is how conservative bestsellers take off. Yeah. Anytime. Oh, they, you mean the Unification The Unification Church. church yes. Yeah, they, they, yeah. If they ever publish a book, they basically go out and tell all their members to buy like 10 copies of it. Because I'm kind of thinking who else would read Inquisition? Who else but a Mooney would would read it? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Then, okay, then you go, this is is amazing, by the way. Uh, When all of our suggestions have been incorporated. Oh, yeah. Moon public relations expert James Gavin wrote in a letter leaked to PBS. It continues, the book will be complete and, in my opinion, will make a significant impact. In addition to silencing our critics now, the book should be invaluable in persuading others. Silencing our critics yeah, is in, harsh. In addition to silencing our critics now, the book should be invaluable in persuading others of our legitimacy for years to come. Wow. End quote. Um, and I actually, I kind of, I, I, I had, I just fucking fell out of my chair laughing <laughs> reading this when, when I, when I, when I first read this because uh this guy jim gavin um he's the i like i i know his kids very well i hung out with his kids i was like best friends with like his kids that's all we hung out all the time and this guy this guy jim gavin i just remember i'll probably take his name out in the show but he's on he's on page 181 of your book if anyone wants to know but uh i i just like i just i remember um so i would go to these kids house um uh, like every Sunday after church, yeah. we'd, we'd go to their house um, and like play for the afternoon. But um, a lot of times the dad wasn't there. It was like just the mom <laughs> and all the kids would go to church. Um, and for some reason, the dad just wasn't there. Anyway, we get home, we get to their, church, we get to their house one day and um, uh, this is in the 80s. Uh, and the, the dad is just this guy, Jim Gavin, who just wrote this book about science yeah. and the critics. We get home uh, and he's 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 wearing his tidy whities sitting in front of the television uh, playing nintendo he plays uh, nintendo. and he was playing i specifically remember the game it was wizards and warriors oh on the nintendo. i wonder so if i played that this guy yeah. yeah this guy who yeah was you know was <laughs> trying to silence the critics of moon that's um, what he was up to yeah that's what he was up to like, yeah i'm sure this will silence his critics like, yeah <laughs> yeah that's great you know, there was there was a former editor of the Washington Times, like a fairly far right dude, um, James Whelan, the late mm-hmm. James Whelan, um, who was who was very kind and helpful while I was working on this book. But he, um, you know, I would run some of these things by him, some of these things that people would say about the Washington Times, and and he he'd say, well, here in um, here in Chile, because he lived, he sort of mysteriously lived in Chile, where he was a big like Pinochet supporter. He'd say, like, we have a saying that you can say even mass, and I. I was like, well, what do you mean you can say even mass? And he said, well, it means you can just, you can lie about anything. You can even, you don't have to be a priest. You can, you can say the, the Catholic mass. And I've always thought about that as, as a, as a, as a Whoa. quote, when I just hear these kind of quotes where it's like, yeah. you can just say things and be full of shit. Like, it's just like, there's nobody's going to stop you most of the time. Wow. Yeah. That was a, that, I mean, that was a weird thing. I think one of the, one of the realizations after writing this book was like, I don't know. I kind of had a, I kind of had a, a naive view of what some of these people were who were um, who were former Washington Times editors and stuff. I mean, it's like, 
I would think, well, this person's a Republican, like, and I'm a Democrat. But, you know, there was this kind of like Daily Show idea back then mm-hmm. that was going, and it was sort of like, you know, we can just honorably agree to disagree about things. And, and they probably are just someone that supports lower taxes or something like mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, I think, I think after the book came out, I grew to understand more that like James Whelan, you know, was, was a supporter of, of, of you know, the, the Chilean dictator and just mm-hmm. terrible shit. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, you know, I think as a young person, I was, I was so, you know, it's, it's very easy to fall for the kind of validation you get when someone's like, Hey, brave journalist, you should, you're doing a wonderful job and, yeah. you know, continue to fight against the people I hate at my old workplace. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he, he had been like, yeah, he had, he had left the Washington times and it was all very bitter. Oh, uh, okay. Um, okay. And he sent me some amazing stuff and he was so, he was so helpful and, and kind, but he like stood for some some really evil stuff. So mm. I think in the appendix, I was like, thank you to these true gentlemen who helped me with the book. And some of them were these just like, like far right people. And like, I think, I think, you know, I think in the Trump era, you, you just kind of think about some of those people and you're just like, you're, you're, you're frightening. <laughs> like, mm. what is that? Like, and, and it goes back to like, why did the Washington times exist in the first place? It was like to give a voice to some, some really, really extreme people, like people that supported apartheid and, mm. and, and, you know, just bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why it's, that's, that's pretty much, that's what it's done from day one. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to dive into this, this money thing from Japan. So uh, this is again from your yeah. chapter, um, uh, chapter two. Um uh, so here goes. Uh, uh, so you, you, sorry, you you talk a little bit about the the money making scam, which is basically <laughs> uh, like knocking on the doors of widows and basically yeah. saying like, "Or your ancestors is in hell are in hell, and you need to pay us to get them out of hell." Isn't that amazing? Like, uh, what does that remind me of in terms of like scams here? I don't even know. It's like, like, oh, no, you know what it is? Like my parents got a phone call um, and it was like someone was imitating my voice. And and this is in California. I live here in England. Yeah. And they were like, this is John. And I've, I've, you know, I've ended up in jail. I need you to bail me out. And and I got these messages from my mom that were like, John, are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, I'm in England. Like I'm fine. But, you know, I mean, I mean, isn't this this, like basically it's the equivalent of this kind of thing. And this is funding, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, but worse because it's about you know telling people that your loved one is in hell. Yeah. So, so, and then you, you go on to to write about basically a, a class action lawsuit in Japan. Yeah. Uh, where a lot of these people who had been scanned in such a way, um, uh, you know, brought suit. Uh, and then this is this is what you write. So on May twenty seventh, nineteen ninety four, a judge in Fukuoka District Court ruled that plaintiff A was a victim of fraud and ordered the Japanese arm of the church to return 36 million yen. Moon's church in Japan claims that voluntary donations, which are exactly what we've just talked about, make up the bulk of its Japanese annual profits, which have reached as much as 400 million a year. And that was in the early 2000s between yeah. 1987 and 2006 the lawyers say the victims who've come to them may have lost far more than that in a country where the people are traditionally hesitant to make disputes into court the lawyers have registered 13,898 complaints with tens of thousands more reaching japan's consumer affairs bureau the japanese court held the moon church liable for fraud in several cases 
but Takashi Yamaguchi, a Tokyo lawyer, says lawsuits haven't slowed the missionaries. They are probably making about 30 to 40 billion yen a year, he claims. This is all from the Washington Post, by the way. Was I didn't it? get them to uh, talk okay. to me. Like when uh, they, okay. uh, they, there was, a, there was a, a translation issue and we were going to do an interview. And then when they heard I was just like some guy writing a book, they were like, oh, no, sorry, we're not available. We thought you were uh, from Newsweek. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Okay. But so all of this, all of this, this is from the Washington okay. Post. I hope I like accurately like put noted it all. Yeah, it's, all it's all Washington Post. Okay. They did amazing work on okay. this. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. They're probably making about 30 to 40 billion yen a year, he claims. Incidentally, as of today, that's about 350 million US dollars per year. Wow. The church denies wrongdoing, and a Tokyo spokesman told the Washington Post that the lawyers were compromised. The church denies wrongdoing, and a Tokyo spokesman told the Washington Post that the lawyers were compromised by the quote, existence of satans standing behind the japanese federation of bar associations i love i haven't thought about that quote in years but i love it i love that i love that i wonder what i wonder if like if it, in japanese that's a more specific thing than satan if it's like certain kind of spirits or devils. i don't know yeah, it's interesting I don't know. um mm. and then so then you go on i want to read a little more because this is where you 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 connect this to George Bush, George H.W. Bush. So Bush. Oh, yeah. And this is really, I think this is really important for people to understand. So I'm just going to read a bit okay. more here. Okay. In the fall of 1995, King Moon's lucrative Japanese empire risked unraveling. Two years uh-huh. earlier, the tragedy of the six Marys, a sorted who astute readers will, will, will remember has been covered on this podcast. Yeah. A sorted tell all from a Korean war era comrade. Love aboard. the word sorted. <laughs> it's good. It's good. use. anything sorted. Solid, is worth writing solid, about. solid use of that. Yeah. Word, John. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this book had arrived on bookshelves with a scandalous claim. The unification church started as a sex cult in which a man could a reborn could be reborn, excuse me, as a perfect Adam by sleeping with six women. The aged author retracted his story under pressure That's from right. the church, but it had left lasting damage. More, however, it would be the events of March 20, 1995, Japan's version of the Jonestown Massacre that stoked national rage against Moon and his followers. Aum Supreme Truth, an unrelated sect whose guru was similarly obsessed with the migration of souls, had poisoned Tokyo commuters with nerve gas, poisoning 5,000 and killing 12. Sorry. I want to keep reading, but I, this is actually just kind of sending chills down my spine because I remember, so this is 1995, I was 14, mm. and I remember reading about that happening that, like, in the Washington Post, it would have been. Yeah. I, I remember reading about that, like, the day, the day it hit the news and seeing a photo of that guy and reading about it and being like, that's like your these, guy. These are like my guy. Really? These are, this is like, yeah. I was like, this is kind of similar. Wow. This is, this is the same, dude. Interesting. Like that, that was kind of, <laughs> well, so yeah, yeah, I was 13, no, I was 14 years <sighs> old. And I remember actually, that's it amazing. Funny, I hadn't made that connection, but just at that moment, I remember being like, this is kind of, this yeah. kind of similar. Um, and then there's a quote, our Japanese movement has under undergone. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm Supreme truth. Uh, had poisoned Tokyo commuters with nerve gas, poisoning 5,000 and killing 12. Uh, here's the quote. Our Japanese movement has undergone the most incredible persecution because of the Aum Truth Church, said Colonel Bohipa, Moon's 
bespectacled first officer. I was pretty obsessed with Bo Heap Hoff. It sounds like a kind of like, <laughs> he's a, yeah. he's a crazy figure to like, yeah. Kind of like, I think I may have about. described it somewhere as like the Spock to, yeah, to Reverend yeah, Kirk did, in there. Yeah, you did say that somewhere, yeah. <laughs> um, because of, and yeah. then this is where you connect it to, to, to George H.W. Bush. Because of Moon's status as an American tax felon, he was sometimes barred from the country. That's right. Oh, I'm remembering all this now. Yeah. In 1992, the same year that George H.W. Bush threw up on the Japanese prime minister. Just hit the anniversary of that, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. A kingpin of the Japanese right, Shin Kanemaru, pressured the justice ministry to let the Mooning leader in. Yeah. Now, in 1995, to ensure that the pipeline of bills across the Pacific flowed on, the moon scheduled a series of high-profile rallies at the Tokyo Dome and other arenas and hired an impressive spokesman. The 300 lawyers begged... How did you, 300 lawyers? Really? Was it 300? The 300 lawyers begged George H.W. Bush not to keep his date That's to visit right. Mrs. Moon on yeah. September 14th. 1995 at the big egg as the japanese called mm-hmm. the translucent futuristic baseball park there pro- so had were there really 300 lawyers who were these 300 lawyers well i think there was this one law firm or organization or net maybe a network of lawyers that were like called the lawyers against the spiritual sales oh okay and they they just were i guess so i don't know like if it's a japanese time, a japanese association yeah dedicated to to stopping the spiritual it. sales okay. okay that's awesome okay um their protests went unheeded. The litigators were angry, says Yamaguchi, but not surprised, considering the relationship between Bush and the Washington Times. I guess Yamaguchi was one of their spokespeople. Yeah. Posters went up proclaiming that at the dome, quote, love will save the earth. <laughs> Fucking bastards. <laughs> the flyers didn't yeah. mention Moon's Church, of course, yeah. but advertised the event under the banner of the Women's Federation for World Peace. Oh, that's right. Yeah. An unheard of group summoned into existence by the Reverend and Mrs. Moon. This is what he does. Yeah. Creates a new the group, group um, and just does the same, same thing. The theme, huh, protecting children. Fucking bastards. <laughs> 50,000 ticket holders filed into the Tokyo Dome, yeah. Tokyo Dome, having paid between $80 and $196, meaning over $5 million minus yeah. expenses, rolled in with the Bushes. Wow. Home. The Japanese weren't the only ones to issue what the lawyers had called an urgent plea for non-attendance. Bush also defied a coalition of American mothers led by Cynthia Lilly of Mom, Mothers Opposed to Moon, whose family had been traumatized when her daughter Catherine ran away with the Moonies. Um, Dan, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. Uh, Barbara, During the tour, the newswoman Barbara Walter had canceled her own scheduled appearance from Walter's. When I found out it was associated with the Reverend Moon, she said, I turned down the appearance and will no longer appear at their events. Cosby might be in here somewhere. Or that might be a different uh, Might be a different. I, so I was at that. That's Cosby one of those. Speech. Oh, you were. That's something I got to revise if I do a second edition. Because it was like, oh, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. So it's funny. I mean, like, I mean, obviously Cosby now versus Cosby then is a bit, is a bit yeah. like, like it's changed a lot, but. Uh, yeah. I remember going to that Cosby speech. So Bill Cosby did a speech yeah. like the mid, to 2000s for the for the 
family federation one yeah. of those fucking and, and supposedly he groups. found out that he was contractually forced to do it and he just gave a gave a bad yeah presentation he, like, on he, purpose. Just, he really fucking he just fucking phoned it in he didn't he just, <laughs> just didn't give a shit like you jello could tell. pops yeah exactly yeah. exactly and then I, but then i remember reading about it after afterwards again in the washington post i think but again like the church made a big deal about it oh yeah. bill cosby came and spoke at yeah. our event he was proclaiming this that and the uh, like you know yeah and actually here's the thing he wouldn't really he would just go and probably give like 10 minutes of bill cosby talking yeah. about the family which is which is what like the church would have asked yeah. him to do but then you'd get like bohe pop or two one clock or someone someone else to be like by the way, let's all bow down to Reverend Moon because he's a fucking messiah. Yeah. And then maybe Moon would, would appear as well and then be like, yes, you all are, are my, my minions now, basically. See, I just, as we talk about this, like, I literally, like, I still can't think of any way, like, I totally agree with what you said about the book. But it's like, the, the political part of it is just so weird that, like, there literally is no way to write about it in an accessible way. It just comes from outer yeah. space and it's just, it's strange. It makes everybody associated with it look bad and it's just so it's just it's just a very weird weird underbelly yeah i mean you did an admirable job of of of, yeah so weird trying to piece that together i think you know the only the only way to the only way to bring anyone into the story is if i had managed to like find some character that you know had experienced the whole thing yeah listen but i never you know i think i think the guy in the 60s robert roland um is that character but he you know his story ends in the 60s or okay. early 70s but the you know really the book is about it's about stuff much later and it's just it's all just so it's all just so weird and there's no there's it just doesn't make sense except on a level of just like everything sucks and everyone's greedy and no one has yes. any principles yeah <laughs> sorry yeah. about that yeah no, 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 that's, yeah, current, that's yeah. fine yeah i just i just want to kind of finish this, yeah, please, this, yeah. this passage here Walter's example was not followed by George H.W. Bush. No. When reporters from major newspapers presented him with evidence that he was helping Moon, his Houston spokesperson, Jim McGrath, would hear none of it. The sense the Bushes have, McGrath said. Is the it, sen- that's always like the way these people are like, you know, we just get the census about. Yeah. yeah. Like they haven't really looked at it. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you another story about yeah. that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Let me finish this and then tell me the story. The sense the Bushes have, McGrath said, is that these are about family and about building bridges of friendship between the Japanese and the American people. Bush, he said, strongly believes in the mission of the group. And Bush himself <sighs> told the Washington Times, until I see something <clears throat> about the Women's Federation that troubles me, I will continue to encourage them. When that day came, the Reverend's roulette wheel of names for his traveling show would have been spun, allowing President Bush to accept an innocent sounding invitation from Moon's family federation for world peace <laughs> yeah. and this so you talk about this revolving door of, of yeah. names for things uh and, and there's actually another passage here you kind of you specifically talk about this but i just i feel like this is even this is something that's really hard to grasp is just how many of these how many fucking yeah there's organizations so many organ- and it's just like everyone's lot, like all these conservatives are just like like i can say this now with like age and cynicism but it's like they're all like all these conservatives involved this are lying like they know the deal yeah i wasted a lot of time like trying to be like do they do you think maybe they didn't know that it was the unification church like they know what's going on like there was yeah. the guy who is the guy um oh shoot help me remember this guy's name um conservative campaigner has a of india indian heritage um he makes like terrible documentaries about um you know obama is 
bringing him on the communist new world order oh, um do you know i can't, I can't. He's, he's a felon i think he was okay. convicted of like campaign tax fraud or something okay. and um, i don't know yeah don't don't let me say anything libelous like that <laughs> what was his name wait 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 wait. what's his name um dinesh d'souza oh yeah so yeah, dinesh okay. d'souza you know, like, like this, just like this, like says it all. Like, the, just like shameless con- conservative lying is that this guy. Um, like, I don't know if I should tell it with the punchline first or last, but <laughs> Dinesh D'Souza spoke at a Reverend Moon event um, in the two thousands. I can't remember which front group it was. I emailed him about it. He was like, to be honest, I, I didn't really know anything about the Unification Church. Dinesh D'Souza, as like an undergrad, had like literally published a like 20, you know, five page essay about like why it's bad for conservatives to be involved with the Unification no. Church. Oh, so my like, God. What? These guys Jesus. are just like, yeah. it's just complete chutzpah. Yeah. And I think part of like, I, one of the many reasons that I still get so mad about this whole thing is like, they they just constructed this whole hall of mirrors to yeah. to make people waste their time yeah. trying to run down claims about whether you know whether it's right or wrong for for politicians to be associated with the unification church like it's yeah. wrong it's really sleazy they're all lying about it yeah and i mean maybe some of them are in the dark about it but it's like they've turned a blind eye and they yeah. you know, won't bother to to find out what's going on yeah and i mean i think i was particularly distressed just i think catching up on the story recently to find out that it hasn't made any difference and no. there's still um you know someone was waving a picture who was it someone was waving a picture of obama at one of the unification church events from 2008 i can't remember which unification church preacher it was but you know then trump spoke it at one of their events yeah trump spoke an event this year deal yeah um well, i guess last year now he, yeah, he, he spoke at one of their events um uh yeah evidently yeah obama spoke at an event in the yeah like mid to late 2000s something i think, I think about in chicago think when he was still senator yeah i don't yeah he wasn't president then and i, I think it was part, as far as i understand it was part of the like like their outreach to the to, yeah to, to that's the, black the thing community. that yeah, was that was part of it mixed up with that yeah i don't know if we even want to drag him into it because it's a little off off topic but yeah. yeah it's yeah. yeah it's come up on the show before but really? just okay. just to uh yeah that's that whole obama thing yeah but, um okay sorry sorry uh, I keep it, yeah. no no but I, there's there's another passage here that i that i, that I want to read so it kind of kind of ties back into this uh so this is from chapter one mm-hmm. um uh the house of moon is renamed periodically for public relation for for public relations purposes giving it a floating sense of anonymity that's a great way to to describe yeah. it in 2004, the Americans were being told to call themselves the IIFWP, yeah. International Interreligious Federation for World Peace. That's I think right. I remember that. Um, keeping their denomination unclear. They would make yeah. it real general, says one ex-member. You would think they were Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> they registered as a nonprofit, put up a website depicting the IIFWP as a world agency of crucial importance. <laughs> Open an office upstairs from the Washington Times newsroom mm-hmm. and spent as much as eleven million dollars a year, according to tax returns. According to tax returns, excuse me, there are literally hundreds of these organizations. Former Moon Operations Manager Michael Warder, later a director of the Conservative Heritage Foundation, wrote yeah. in a 1988 expose, which all reinforce one another, with key Moon operatives sitting on their boards. Yeah. 
and the Reverend's name absent from the, quote, flow charts of this organizational scheme to protect him, the Hall of Mirrors, yeah. the Hall of Mirrors that you mentioned earlier. Doves, peace branches, Greek pillars, and serious-looking globes decorated the website. Was this the headquarters of the world's best diplomats? <laughs> it had to be from the internet write-up. They handled crucial missions all over the planet, even briefing the United Nations. They convinced former enemies, Muslims and Jews, to hug and make up, crying. And every year, these people celebrated themselves in a soccer tournament held of all places in Seoul, the booming high-tech capital city of South Korea. Among the VIPs who attended its forums, according to its pamphlets, are, quote, elected officials, members of the State Department and other U.S. government agencies with their international counterparts, former heads of state, ambassadors, and diplomats who meet in Washington and at the United Nations. Um. And yeah, I just feel like, I mean, that, that's, that's exactly, that encapsulates it completely. And actually like, so I was, I was just thinking about the, um, the George Bush thing, yeah. and Barbara Bush, like them going on this tour. I remember going to an event in the DC area where um, uh, Barbara Bush spoke yeah. at, at some Mooney event, but it's just fucking hilarious. It, I, I know it was a Mooney event. Yeah. Was it a Women's Federation for World's Peace, or Family <laughs> Federation for World Peace? Maybe that's interesting. Yeah, I have no goddamn clue yeah, what it fucking was. You know, but I know right. it was a movie. <laughs> I yeah. know it was it. And I remember yeah. going through like my parents would be like, "Okay, this year we're like the Family Federation for World Peace because we're like now <sighs> the family is the most important. But but you know the next year the Women's Federation is the most important. So, and the next year the it's, and so like, uh, you see how like crazy it made me to try to keep up on that as an outsider. Yeah. I mean, even how do I describe this? Yeah. I just kind of talking about it now, I feel like maybe that was again, like one of those things that made me think maybe this is this shit isn't legit. Just, The fact that they yeah, have to let's re- just keep calling ourselves something every, else every year. But that's the thing that makes me so infuriated is it's sort of like the idea that something is maybe just a massive con and you're just sitting here just like, wait, maybe it's not. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> shit, maybe I should have just cottoned on to that earlier. Jeez. You know, and I think, I think in the book, I tried to call it just the unification church most yeah. of the time, but yeah. And you called it kind of like the moon org, or moon like, org, or, I think, you know, I, um, yeah. But the trouble is that I think that, I think the group successfully made everybody forget what the unification church is yeah, because absolutely. they weren't in the news anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And the, under that just, name. they had, they had so many, um, yeah they just had so many so many costumes yeah that they could just they would just change into right um yeah it was just oh man so anyway i just feel like you really kind of described it really well there um um, there's a couple other thing a couple other things that i want to get into and then we should probably wrap up soon i think um but um i just i just want to talk about on so this is on page 194 um so this ties into something that we've talked about on the show before. Um, uh, you specifically talk about the New Yorker hotel. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to quote this from, um, I'm just going to read this, read this passage from this page. Um, and this is specifically talking about the New Yorker hotel. The bed bugs are not the only reason the heights above are unsettling <laughs> between 1976 yeah. and 1979 during the tensest, tensest days of moon's clash with Washington. This is incidentally pretty much like when my family lived there. My parents lived there. Um, uh, three members plummeted to their deaths. 
Alan Staggs, 20 stories down the shaft on June 6, 1976, an accident, the church said. Kiyomi Ogata, sorry, that's probably the same elevator shaft that my former guest, Limi Bauer, um, was talking about. I think that was mine, actually. Could have been mine, because I wrote me. Uh, uh, 20 stories down the shaft on June 6, 1976. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the same elevator shaft that uh, my former my former guest, Phoebe yeah. Bauer, was clinging to as a young girl. Um, an accident, the church said. Uh, second person, Kiyomi Ogata, who fell from the 22nd floor, August 23rd, 1976. Reasons unknown. Presumably that's outside the building as opposed to inside. And Junette Bain, exactly three years later, from the 21st floor, if she wasn't pushed physically, said her husband, who was angry she had joined Moon, she was pushed psychologically out that window. The plunges were tallied by congressional aide Robert Bocker, who six years after leading the Moon investigation fell to his own death at age 44 from his apartment. Who owns this place? I asked the, the busy hotel, hotel clerk, as in you asked. Yeah. Reverend Moon, she says, as if it's something she gets asked all the time. Reverend so, Moon, yeah. So you, you visited the yeah. hotel. Yeah, I went to I went to the New Yorker hotel. Was kind of fascinated with it. Um, I went with an angry young reporter for the Nation, who was like showing me around New York, which I I was you know I I had never been to New York around the time that the the coronation story came came out, and it was sort of like, you know, it was this big big chance to go like meet a book agent back east and yeah. you know see see the East Coast and uh, um yeah the New Yorker hotel was really weird, and then at some point I did an interview with um, with, with, with some channel four people that, that like we went up to some hotel room, they had rented up in the New Yorker hotel. And I stood up against the, uh, the backdrop of New York city. And I remember being a little bit worried that they would you know, like push me or something, oh, you know, cause it's like, Jesus. Um, only just, you know, I had no real reason to think so other than yeah. just like, I thought, you know, I'd always had this nagging feeling that maybe, I don't know, maybe some, someone would somehow get really mad about the, you know, embarrassing Reverend Moon and, yeah. you know, and that something bad would happen. They, they turned out to be very nice, but uh, my mom has like worried ever <laughs> since then that I would do something dangerous like that again. Yeah. No, I mean, I do think, I don't think they're, I don't no, think no, they're dangerous they're to detractors. To, no. to journalists. To, yeah. To detractors. Yeah. They're not like, you know, they're not like Scientologists. They're not like going to go out and harass people. I haven't, I, I haven't heard of stories of yeah. that in all my years on the inside. Yeah. I've never heard of anything. Not like even that. from like really paranoid people. No. They were just like, you know, and like, I should say like that, there's that thing about Robert Betcher jumping off the roof. And mm. it's like, I, somebody, somebody recently uh, asked me about that um, as part of research for something and um, about whether it was whether I felt it was suspicious. And mm. I mean, I just said, you know, I think, I think if anything, the guy was distressed over maybe uh, writing a, a, writing a book about the unification church and having it ignored mm. um, and about things in his personal life. Um, I, yeah, I, I, mm. I never gave too much credence to the, uh, there, yeah. I mean, there's always just been like, like, like paranoid schools of, of people who are yeah. in the unification church, which kind of like, I don't know, just always in, always just seeing an insinuation behind, behind everything and yeah. taking that as far as possible. And I always, I always tried to, to, in my own limited, you know, ability to stick with the, 
you know, kind of stick with the idea that I felt like the stuff we already can totally 100% prove is totally disturbing and yeah. isn't well known enough. And let's yeah, exactly. Well like known. you don't need to, you, uh, yeah, you don't really need to speculate yeah. To, yeah. To, to, to create a really dark yeah. and tragic story here. To be like, yeah, this is dark and tragic and it should be like massively way more scandalous than it yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. you don't need, you don't need to speculate at all to, to to paint that picture, and that's why. Yeah, I think the book, in a lot of ways, was almost just like, just like a best of like work that a lot of other people had done, mm. you know, writing journalism about the Unification Church, rather than the way it was packaged. Is sort of like you know, I ended up going on these radio shows where people would be like, you know, John Kornfeld is really worried about how the Unification Church is amassing <laughs> more and more and more power. Like, why should we be concerned? And it was like. No, I don't really think that they're amassing like. Mm. But you know, yeah, it's like how do you talk about it though? Like it's I guess it's a kind of a power to to like to not, you know, to not be stopped from running this horrible cult yeah. that just abuses people and is allowed to publish this newspaper and you know have ex-presidents fly around the world with you. Like that's power. It's just yeah, not, it's not the other kind of power. Absolutely absolutely um there's okay all right oh yeah, yeah okay so so at the end of the last chapter of your book you talk about going to a um to an event uh i think it was in 2007 maybe uh in uh yeah. california i think it's like a i think this was at the again this was at probably the same hotel where i did the animal planet interview this was at the okay. uh, hyatt regency san francisco yeah. airport hotel Family Federation event, May 31st, 2007. Okay. So a couple things. So number one, yeah. So you, you started, you, you talk about going through kind of like, as we, as we've discussed earlier, like going to this event, kind of interfaith, not really like people, sounds like some people are there who don't really know what's about to happen. And yeah. Then, there are all kinds of weird people there, by the way. Yeah. People from like weird like there were people who weren't part of the unification church, but were just like into being psychics or something. Yeah. Like there's a lot of just strange yeah. stuff going there's a on. lot of like kind of new age people yeah. and spirit like spiritualist of various or someone from the movies had probably been like hey you should come to this thing yeah you yeah know, we, we channel the dead sometimes too mm-hmm. yeah know? exactly exactly yeah and then they, they find a kindred spirit and then they yeah they you know along. hopefully they make some friends um but you um okay you, you talk about <laughs> okay um Okay, I can probably close the book because I know what I'm going to ask. Um, <laughs> Just the blood. The, yeah, the, the semen. The, yeah. se, the semen in the... Supposedly. The supposed semen in the um, in the holy wine. So yes. this is something that has been postulated uh, given given the, the church's roots in as a, as a sex cult. Um, yeah. I also... Th- I also think it kind of makes sense that in the early days it probably was included in the holy wine, but I know you yeah. have, you have a specific, specific, <laughs> um, specific uh, experience with this. So yeah. can you talk about that? Um, I somehow like smuggled out some packets of holy wine that they gave out at this thing that I went to at the airport and um, kind of put it in my shirt pocket and ended up getting it because I had heard about these rumors about blood or, or, or other stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, we got it forensically analyzed by a friend of the family who I think is now a Trump 
voter, but runs a, <laughs> runs like a laboratory in Van Nuys that looks at stuff like okay. that. And um, I believe I, I can't remember exactly what I wrote in the book, but I think he, he was like, no, there, the test came back. There's no, there's none of that stuff in it. Okay. So that's what that led us to talking the other day about whether mm. it was just like, a, like a tiny quantity of it, or, or I guess you were suggesting that, that there's like a, a, a mystical kind of idea that like through prayer and the unification church, you can multiply tiny amounts of things to supposedly yeah, yeah. spiritually be enormous. Yeah. So they had this, this concept, like we, we had this stuff called Holy salt, which is like, yeah, we were meant to right. like, like sanctify things that came into our house with this salt. And like, you would take some so-called holy salt and then like mix it with like just normal salt and like say a prayer basically and you had to like mix it in a certain way like put one third over another third or something like that there's still like a numerical there's yeah it's like a numerical formula there's kind of a ritual but then all of a sudden you can take a little kind of like seed seed amount of like holy salt and then create like more holy salt basically and so it makes me think like maybe there was an original there was an original sample like like fucking 40 years ago (laughs) that had a little bit and then it's just been kind of like remultiplied over the years and like there's there's nothing so i think uh, in there's terms nothing of the, left in terms of how to structure a nonfiction book i think uh i think if i were giving advice to my younger self now yeah. it would have been like you know what like have the packet of holy wine at the beginning of the book yeah you should start with be that. like yeah just start with yeah. this, this object that symbolizes yeah. the whole mystery of it yeah you know it kind of it, you know it it was so weird that it was like a packet that of ketchup from denny's it was like oh because really? you know it, it had one of those <laughs> What do you call it? Those things that you peel back so that you could, you know, like, like, yeah. you, like, you, so you get like a, a, like a creamer, like if you get creamer, yeah, creamer or coffee or, in the US. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're at Denny's and, and there's like a, what, you know, what is it that you put on your pancakes and um, like, like, yeah, you get like syrup on that. Yeah. yeah. But if I did it again, I, yeah, maybe like put that at the beginning, have that mystery, like what's in the holy wine. Yeah. And then the reader has to read through the whole book and to find I, out rather than sticking it in the last <laughs> chapter like I did, which I think is. It's kind of kind of weird book organization. Um, I think it was it was such a strange publishing experience. I think um, I thought that I thought like from from writing for magazines where like I'd turn in something that wasn't that good and editors would work on it till it was really really good. Yeah, I kind of thought, well, this is good, but someone will work on it till it's really 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 good, yeah. and then it didn't happen. And it was almost just like the publisher was like someone hitting Control P and printing you know, 5,000 copies of this thing that I had sent them on word. And it was like, Oh, oh wow. my God, no one entered okay. this thing. And so that's why like that <laughs> oh, order of shit. it is just okay. like weird. And yeah, it's publishing is weird. Like hire and hire your own editor. If you ever write a book audience, mm. like, uh, yeah, like, like, yeah, you should write that book that you're thinking of writing, but also like hire an editor. Sorry. I don't want to say like Joel Austin here, but you know, <laughs> you can manifest it, but no, you, yeah. Like, <laughs> publishing is really weird publishing is really really weird and they don't have the budgets for um for editors anymore for proofreaders mm. what so that falls back on the author yeah that's what i'm like okay. like you should like just make sure your thing is just wow and i think i think my other advice is like you know it's it's like you should just never think that you're you're a good enough um judge of your own stuff like i think it's so important to have like someone you know have that english professor read over it and tell you that it sucks maybe a little bit so that you can yeah but you know having talked to you about this side like i'm actually like really proud of a lot of that stuff yeah and there's some really good stuff in there it's it's great and um i mean the amount of research is tremendous um and yeah like 
and I kind of feel like every single chapter holds up on its own. The, and yeah. again, like kind of like the one, the one critique I would have is like to the point earlier the is, like, is the, the, the thread, the, the flow. Yeah. That's what I've been thinking. The of. hook. Like, um, yeah. Like the elevator pitch that carries you all the way through it. Yeah. It's like, I read a great book that my father-in-law got me about, about like Nazis and, and like people who came up with the idea of, of genocide and human rights law. And it was like some Nazi goes into a courtroom and, in book in chapter one and you it just keeps you like wondering the entire mm, time like what's yeah. gonna happen to this guy yeah. until you get to the end and yeah sentence to but it's like yeah like you need that thing that just carries you through yeah. the whole time and it's like i think this thing i think i had this idea that it's like well what is the mystery of reverend moon like we can solve that mystery by like revealing like a million weird things about mm. him but that's not really it it doesn't answer the question first of all and second it doesn't it doesn't leave you with a clear takeaway which leads me to the idea that like without a clear takeaway people like project their own agenda mm, onto it yeah which is what what happened yeah and also they yeah you mentioned this idea like like, here's a million weird things but there's also another million weird things (laughs) that you haven't written yeah (laughs) yeah like i hear a lot of things i have no idea yeah 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 so many weird things about the unification church and i mean you know like if there's any justice like the unification church will become another like really hip subject like scientology was a few years ago and someone will write a better book about it and yeah. be like wow this is really like particularly someone that's like you know that survived the second generation yeah. experience and, yeah. and has a firsthand yeah. harrowing story about it yeah yeah well i hope someone will, will do it do some sort of justice and hopefully this podcast can kind of contribute to that as well as all the other people that are that are doing stuff along these lines yeah what a weird world it's just really strange. <laughs> yeah um all right i think we should we should probably wrap it up there but um just do you have any any kind of parting words or anything else like do you want to you want to talk about the, the the upcoming potential okay um so this may or may not make it to the um to the air based on whether i decide to do this or not but um uh i think um i think largely because of elgin's encouragement and just other people just telling me that the book you know helped them or that the blog helped them feel better about the uh the choice to leave the unification church i've sort of like you know there's this this book that i've 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 kind of just like tried to forget for a really long time but i think that i think that what i'd really like to do someday is to re-release like a second edition of it the way it should have been sort of a director's cut of it Mm -hmm. and um maybe put in that thread that it doesn't have yeah you know so that it all kind of hangs together a little better and um change some really embarrassing typos that were in there like um (laughs) there was one where i think someone who joined the, the unification church it was talking about her like her experience like driving around in vans you know, selling flowers for the unification church. We was talk about like taking like 40 minute long showers. And I was like, you reading like, that sounds pretty good actually, but it's oh. cold showers. It was supposed to say they were cold showers. It's fucking, yeah. Oh, that it changes a big massive. difference. I've taken like, take a 40 I've, minute cold shower. I've done then... cold shower conditions. Fuck. Oh, that. you've done that. I've done that. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah. At various times in my wow. life growing up. Yeah. You were. That's a standard thing now. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I don't know, yeah. you know, moon like fucking the f family federation for world peace yeah. is having the speaking tour okay yeah. 
all members need to give us this money where they need to do cold shower conditions. Uh, right. So I don't know, seven minutes cold shower every day or whatever, yeah. whatever. The, What's it supposed to do exactly? It's supposed to make you like pure? Or... Yeah, it's supposed to like purify you and set a so-called spiritual condition. For Plus setting conditions. Whatever you're, you're like, whatever that the sort of goal, uh, like the spiritual goal of the movement yeah. is at that time, the, the, theories that like if everyone it's kind of like if everyone said a prayer right uh, now like like the combined yeah you, you think of everyone doing this thing at the same time yeah exactly it's kind of like you know yeah rather than everyone saying a prayer like what if everyone said a prayer but they also gave this like physical yeah. sort of like offering okay to this purpose of trying to achieve yeah. x um it's like that's fasting or something yeah it's like, it's like same thing yeah yeah, yeah it, it's in the same same category as fasting uh for the church anyway it's called like a yeah condition that you set for but if it was like a nice warm shower i i just remember this yeah. uh, there was this one typo i caught right at the last minute that fortunately didn't didn't go into the book and there were these people that were from an interfaith group in texas who were invited to the coronation mm-hmm. but started to get suspicious of um of like how good of a group it was based on how they searched pork. And there were people from faith that didn't have pork. Oh, interesting. And, but I think there was a typo where it said they served pork. They served pork twice. And it made it sound like they served pork. <laughs> they served pork. And it would have been so silly. So thank God that one didn't make it out. I think the cold shower is the worst typo in there. Okay. Um, I want to, yeah, that one word changes it. Massively changes it a that. lot. I yeah. want to like, I want to maybe be a little more show a little more critical thinking about some of the just like extreme right people that mm. that end up in the like it like there was a guy um there was a guy named Paul Gottfried who who's in there who's a conservative scholar or that's what I call him and there was a conservative scholar he's a retired I think professor um who who's 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 credited as saying uh, you know the the right needs to give Reverend Moon a lot more gratitude essentially for all the the massive amount of money he's given Mm. conservatives but um recently i was like who is that guy i was googling him and he was the um the mentor to um uh, richard spencer the guy from the charlottesville rallies and and, you know holy shit yeah and um what the fuck and i think you know just to be fair like i don't want again i don't want to be like a conspiracy guy like i think Gottfried has distanced himself from the whole thing i've been like hey i he's Jewish like me and, you know, doesn't obviously endorse, you know, rabid anti, uh, anti-Semitism, but it's like, it's, that's a really, that's a really weird connection. And, yeah, um, you know, and a lot of, like, yeah, there's a lot of very strange, like, yeah, there, there was a great quote, if I could find it um, from a professor who studies the history of conservatism. And it was something like, I'll see if I can find it. It was something like, you know, people who write about the history of the right should find the humanity in their subjects, but they should not be afraid to, you know, to, to, to look into parts of the history that are just like super bizarre mm. and, and weird. And yeah. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's just the thing, you know, that's just the thing. It's like, it is so weird actually. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's really weird. And um yeah. Wow. Reverend Moon. What can you, <laughs> what can you say about that guy? I don't know, what can man. You say about that guy? I don't know, man. There's <sighs> fuck him. God, that that's, guy. That's what, that's what I say to him. Sun no moon. Yeah. Um what's your earliest memory of Reverend Moon? Whew, that is a great question. 
Um, as in of like seeing him personally or of being told about yeah maybe told like from your earliest memories was he just always there yeah he was like um uh i just i remember i think i've i've i may have mentioned this on the show before but i remember um I just remember at the age of four, like hearing like the story of Adam and Eve in the Bible uh, and uh, and then hearing about how like, well, so, okay, basically like this is how the Bible looks at it, but the Bible's wrong and we know what's right because Reverend Moon told us what's right. The fall of man was were people having sex, this is what sex is. Uh, and by the way you uh, are in the uh, very fortuitous position of having the uh the uh purified lineage that means you don't have original sin which means that it's your job to like restore the world basically um doesn't that just suck like to you know you can just believe things like that so much in life just even if you're not in a cult if this kind of guess what it turns out you're you're special and you could save the world potentially yeah. and and then to reach a point in your life where it's like you know what actually that's not like all that was, was sort of bullshit yeah Sorry. yeah no i mean that's a that's a big yeah that, that's part of part of coming out of it is is realizing like you're not special <laughs> um uh, well, I, mean, I think and, everyone's special because i still have this kind of like 70s like like a self-esteem thing yeah but. no and i i, I do <laughs> believe that but like yeah you're not special in that way yeah you know, you're like, not special there's someday the whole world will look to you to you know to yeah create the new yeah world. and i actually remember i i, I kind of i remember like kind of having a chip on my shoulder being like yeah. oh i like i remember i i felt like i should be like I should be like writing books and about like, and I, I had no idea about what, by the way, but like, I just felt like I should be like, I should, I should be like, the world should know my name by yeah. the, by the age of 30 because I have this like special thing. Special thing. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, uh, what? Like, what, <laughs> what, what is that? Like, <laughs> well, I don't like know. there's like, not, there's not like, that's not really a thing, you know? But it's like, how do you separate that from actual, you know, like we all as humans have the potential to do something really cool, right? Yeah. And you're like, how do you not throw the baby out with the bathwater? Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And that's that's hard. And I, I've actually just to just to drill into that, I've actually I, I've spoken to someone. I won't I won't mention their name, um, uh, but someone who grew up in the cult with me, uh, and they actually um, they brought up this idea that like what if what if like what if i i I, i'm not achieving my fullest potential as a as a human being yeah uh, because i don't want the cult to be right because i don't (laughs) because because i don't want the cult to be right about Mm -hmm. me about me having some sort of like the like special unique ability or uh, it's so weird like how much of that is a universal human thing maybe or or like yeah like because you know i i was sort of compared it to like an extreme version of like 
like I experienced like like 80s gifted education in Southern California yeah. and it was just you know like maybe you do kind of want to be like just like oh I'm so mad that they told me that I was you know mm. gonna be on the forefront of everything yeah just by doing like silly Olympics of the mind activities where we had to dress <laughs> up as king arthur or something you know and, yeah uh, you're just like oh this bullshit and i'm gonna show them wait a minute <laughs> um but you know like I, it has it this this idea of like potential self self-sabotage like, yeah. like what if you it's interesting what if you what if what if you if you grew up in a cult what if you what if you stop what if you're not really really going for it because yeah. because you don't want to prove them right and also and part of that is like is like you know like like let's say um you know, let's say, let's say I fucking, I don't know. I, I, I let's say tomorrow I like, I, I fucking like direct wrote and directed yeah. like an Oscar winning film tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Um, you know that they would claim credit for they, it. Those They'd motherfuckers like, would claim credit for <laughs> yeah. it. They would fucking claim They'd be it. like, look, I mean, like they, the message of the divine principle is it runs through the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tribute to the, you know, yes due to the imagery of the yeah exactly that's exactly that's exactly that's amazing that's 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 part of the fear is that what if you did it yeah. what if you um or what if you became an astronaut tomorrow or you, yeah. you know and and then they, and the cult fucking claimed that claim for it. themselves um right and so you're saying i don't want to you don't want to just you know hold yourself back in order to you have to be like who cares what they think right yeah yeah but but also it's like it's like okay you can say that but psychologically have you really have you really let yeah. go of those of those hooks I don't I don't know if I have maybe yeah. I haven't really uh, it will be it will be really hard like how could you say for certain but then how you can you say for certain that that when you're excited about doing something cool that you're not you're like wait what if I only think this is cool because I have this idea of being you know the pure second generation yes and I could, yeah exactly because you, know, you can't go back and compare yourself to an identical twin that didn't have the same experience no right? yeah, yeah yeah we don't have this like this pre-cult self this is something they talk about in the cult departure uh-huh. literature is like yeah. people people who, right. who 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 joined cults okay. and later leave they have something else that they can refer back to a pre pre-cult identity but we don't yeah. have that so there, there's no there's no comparison point <laughs> The divine principle, oh, that thing, you know, which, which another thing about the divine principle is like, I feel like maybe when I was writing the book, I thought too much that it was original and that actually it probably oh, just stole no. 90% of stuff it, yeah, from everything yeah, yeah. that was he's, going yeah, around. He's, he's completely just plagiarized it from, from loads of other places. It's, it's bullshit. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Cause someone was sending me something about it an early cult called like the ascended Master. they had believed in something called the ascended masters or and it was called i am and okay it was kind of just this idea of like there's a bunch of like great people who've ascended to the other world and we can make contact with them and yeah. i was like oh you know maybe reverman just copied all that yeah i mean he kind of uh, yeah he did an innovation he copied he, he copied he, he just mix and match with yeah. you know pieces of various other things Bad Moon Rising. Yeah. Would you give it a different name? Oh, you... yeah. Well, the thing is, I think, okay, so if I did it again, um, well, first of all, I didn't choose the title. I think one of the one of the shocks you realize in publishing is that um, is that the publisher very often chooses the title. Okay. I, I knew someone that wrote a book about um well, I don't want I don't want to, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just say it's about something else because I don't want to de-anonymize the person, yeah. but it was like, let's pretend it was a book about um people. Um, exploiting people in the in the coffee industry and it was called like coffee confidential 
Yeah. And this person hated the title. And, yeah. and so as for me, um, when they said it was going to be called Bad Moon Rising, I wanted to call it Father's Day, which is sort of like a B-horror movie title. <laughs> I as guess. Father. Yes. And that was kind oh of like. Oh, my God. That's great. The whole that's attitude great. was there of this sort of like, this is like, a you know, an ironic 2000s yeah, kind but of that, thing. That kind of captures, it captures, captures the weirdness of it. It's in weird. A way. And it's. it's yeah. It's kind of like it captures kind of the emphasis I wanted to have on like, yeah. here's a bunch of politicians who are trying to make this pe- guy feel like this is his special day. Yeah. So I remember the marketing department was like, um, we, we want to call it Bad Moon. That's nice, but we want to call it Bad Moon Rising. And I didn't like it immediately. And um, I kind of thought about it for a couple of days and was like, hey, can we call it just Bad Moon maybe? Mm. That sounds kind of like more mysterious. And they were they ignored that. Okay. And and after that, I was okay with it until the book came out. And it was just so clear that they had like super doubled down on like, he's bad. He's rising. It's yeah. coming to get you. Yeah. And um, I just, I still can't like, I still have trouble with like Credence Clearwater. Yeah. No, well, that's like, it, it brings back. It, it, just it like, reminds me yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I think of that song. Like, oh, yeah. No. And then the trouble, what's so insidious about it is that it's so funny how it just defines like your book cover, your book title. Mm. It defines it. Like you never get a chance to make a first impression as they yeah. used to say on the like, men's yeah. warehouse commercial or whatever. And <laughs> so it's like, once someone has an impression of your book, like they might be like, Hey John, well, I thought it was a pretty good name for it, but it's because they've already like internalized the yeah. idea that like, like, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the book. It's, yeah. it's called Bad Moon Rising about a guy who's on the rise. And yeah. there's no way to like show them. Well, I had this picture of this book that was like, it was different maybe it was gonna be different and it was just yeah i remember just like lying in bed telling my mom i i am just like i've written something called bad moon rising i just don't like it it's terrible it's a terrible name but i think if i do a second edition um first of all i've kind of made peace with the fact that it's called bad moon rising and second i think that just subsequent events have been like so dark and horrible that maybe it makes more sense that it's so doomy but saying that like i still kind of hate that that it has that emphasis on like it's like it's a growing thing you better watch out or it's gonna get you and like you know i'd be the first person to say that like i think there's more important stories out there like it's an important story but i think i think one of the things was so difficult when it came out was that people who who came across the book thought that i was the kind of person that was like you know what the most important issue facing america Mm. today is is Reverend Moon and it's not like racism or war or, yeah. you know, or just the erosion of democracy. Yeah. But it's yeah. not the, it's not the, the be all. And, and it has contributed and, to it. You know, I, I think I didn't, I know earlier, I didn't mean to push back too hard on the idea that, you know, Reverend Moon hasn't contributed to it. I think it's just a matter of just how much do we want to say he's contributing. Yeah. And I, I was always just like, so frustrated by, by like people who'd be like, you know, he, he did the whole the whole thing is moon the whole thing is reverend moon and reverend moon is like he's the one who just decided you know 100 yeah. percent what the what the republican party was going to be it's like yeah. no there's like it's like have you heard of like christian fundamentalism and like exactly. defense contractors yeah. yeah you know yeah yeah we can like ra- racists and, and and everything in american history you know yeah. but, but yeah we get these messages that were like oh. yeah i i like i like father's day I, th- I think that's. I, I still fun. like it. I think it's a good one. Yeah, you can maybe call this episode Father's Day. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, maybe consider doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please I, just just like... I beg you, don't play like fade out music of Credence 
Oh, I fuck no. No, no, no. I no. won't. I won't. Did they ever do that on like on ads? Oh yeah, like I'd be on some radio show oh, and it would be like dude. coming up next. John Gorenfeld is going to talk about why he's worried about a bad moon on the rise. John Fogarty comes on yeah. and it's like, oh, I just, <laughs> oh my god. And the thing is that I think, I think you know, you just like when you're when you're like a young English major or whatever, dreaming about writing that book, like you imagine you could be like a million different things and then it just like solidifies it as yeah thing that's just like bad moon rising and it's, it's uh, you know i think we we talked about how it was from the the era of a certain kind of book that was like dick cheney's face was on the cover and it yeah. would be like these people are bad this book will have no jokes in it yeah and this is just about the most serious thing facing america and yeah. that's kind of yeah. Even, I mean, Father's Day is a joke on the in the yeah. on the just to, just to start with uh, as the title. So yeah, no, I would I, yeah. I like it. I, no, like I think it. I think more jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I think we should wrap it up. Um, it's really uh, been a pleasure uh, being here. Thank you for thank having you me. so much. It's been great. Yeah. It's really, really fun. It's wild. Yeah, cool. All right, um, I'm gonna hit stop recording. Okay, stop recording. Okay, so I was considering adding another little voiceover into the interview itself, but considering I went on a nearly five minute long shark poaching tangent, and let's let's all agree we could just file that under shit you never thought you'd be speaking into a microphone about, yet here I am. Anyway, decided not to go on a second tangent, but I'm going to put that here at the end. So about midway through this interview, uh, John mentioned this lying liar named Dinesh D'Souza. And I recorded this interview in maybe January or February of 2022. And subsequently, Dinesh D'Souza is the guy who made a film called 2,000 Mules. It came out in the last month or so. 2,000 Mules is a crock of horse shit that tries to make the case in like faux documentary style that the 2020 election in the U.S. was rigged, was stolen, was fraudulent. And this lying motherfucker, Dinesh D'Souza, was lying to John Gornfeld about shilling for the Moonies fucking 20 years ago. And guess what? Right now, I know for a fact that Sean Moon, Sun Myung Moon's son, the guy who runs the gun cult with the AR-15s and the Bullet Crown, he was hosting events around that specific film, 2000 Mules. He was getting his followers, these poor people who are stuck in this goddamn gun cult. He was getting them to watch this film, to promote it, because he's spewing all this stop the steal bullshit as well. So, uh, yeah. Lying, lying, liars. They are all around us. And they're part of this structure, the scaffolding that raised us in this cult. They were inside it and outside it, all supporting each other with their lies and their fucking hatred. Getting sick of this shit. But I'm not sick of talking to people about it. And I'm really grateful that John took the time to come on and talk about his experiences. And I hope that you as the audience have gotten something out of that. I sure did. I know it's different from what I normally cover on this show but I think it was a great interview and I'm really happy that John took part in it 
next time we're going back to a more classically styled falling out interview. This time with someone who hung out with Moon's kids when he was a kid. With someone who had insight into the money coming and going. As well as had insight into the machine. The machine that they were building to try to communicate with the spirit world. That shit fucking floored me when I heard about it. Anyway, that's coming up. I'll see you in two weeks. Be safe between now and then. And as always, thank you to my collaborators, Luciana Strait for the portraiture and Teddy Hose for the graphic design. Stay safe and stay sane, everyone. Peace.